Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pale in Comparison, a proud member of the Doof Network. In this podcast, my sister uses her knowledge of the otherverse to take a look at Pact, Wildbo's biggest fake out, and I try to not give away any spoilers. I'm Jenny, and Malia convinced me to read Worm. I'm Malia, and Jenny convinced me to read everything else. This episode, we are covering Histories, Arc 9. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know whether Avery or Lucy aware in their significant others and don't want us to tell you, stop now, read Pale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers to the chapter we are covering. All right, before we get go any further, we've got Pale Complexions Art Contest again! We're back. We're back. <laughs> All right, you guys have got about a little less than a month to d- to get your stuff done. So get your art artsy brains going. You got uh, until Friday, July 22nd. Um, our theme is redemption. Um, any wild bow story will do. But you should do packed. You should definitely do packed. <laughs> you should definitely do packed. But you can do any of them. So, yes. you know, any of them will do. Um, yeah. And again, if you want to record a song, if you want to do a sculpture, interpret a dance. Yeah, we're open to your art. We're open and we're ready. Yes. I want to experience I want to experience an other verse interpretive dance. Can someone please do an interpretive yeah. dance? Yeah. That'd be great. I want to see it. Especially if you were dressed in like I don't even know, like an animal know. mask and a cape. <laughs> yeah, you could just dress like a giant sparrow. Ooh. You know, or like you could dress like a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, however you want to fit in redemption. Um. <laughs> pizza delivery guy. Uh, yeah. so he must good. be redeemed. He must be redeemed. Um, all right. For our chapter summary, we look at the life of Jeremy Meath, the <laughs> drunk guy. <laughs> He's back. He's back. What do you think of these chap- or this chapter? <clears throat> um. <laughs> So not gonna lie, I was disappointed because <laughs> I wanted Rose. Mm-hmm. I wanted answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good chapter. Um it is. I feel a lot of things about Jeremy and Sandra. Um, and it's a fun way to hype us up for like, you know, nuts happenings. It's funny because it really parallels the end of arc three, where it was like, uh, Jeremy and Blake are gonna fight. And then it didn't really happen. And now it's like, oh, Jeremy and Blake are going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. And I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah. We start with basically seeing Jeremy getting introduced to Dionysus um, in a sense and becoming uh, an initiate. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, the identity of everyone is kind of hidden um, in this part. And... I think it wants you to maybe think that Nathan is Jeremy um, Mm -hmm. because it's a priest of Dionysus and they're, you know, doing their shit. And who do we know that's a priest of Dionysus? Jeremy. Um, And I am obsessed with Johannes, as you all know. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, like Johannes trained under Jeremy. And that's what we're going to (laughs) learn. Um. That wasn't right, so that's okay. That's all right. It's okay. Um, it was a fun little thing being like, oh, it's baby Jeremy. Um, 
at the end of this first section. Um, he's interesting and I don't understand him. And I guess we can talk about that. Sure. Um, so Jeremy's the one who's like, hey, this guy's cool. Let's just go with it. But then like two sentences later is like, are you gay and are you trying to groom us? <laughs> and like, that was kind of a fast switch. And yeah. like, you know, like he doesn't get drunk here. Um, he it's like, uh, is he watching out for everyone? Is he just sort of wary? It's weird that he's wary because he was the one who was like, this is fine. Um, and it seems odd that the least intoxicated and into it person would be the one picked to be an initiate. Um, and I don't know if that's like a, you need somewhat of a buffer to not do the thing. Um, like don't get high on your own supply kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or what? Cause I mean like, you know, this, this Jeremy's obviously different. Um, but I guess I don't fully get it. Do you have an opinion? I mean, I feel like, yeah, for the switch thing, at least like, it seemed like he was like, yeah, he's cool. And then D and all that were kind of like talking and D is like, he's creepy and blah, 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 blah. And so, um, Jeremy was like, okay, well, like, are you gay then? Are you trying to, I don't know, are you trying to be creepy? And he's mm-hmm. like, no. And then he's like, see, I guess. <laughs> That's true. He does, yeah, like, ask him to, he's very direct. Yeah. Um, and he asserts himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it is kind of weird, but then again. Yeah, it's just like the, the whole thing's weird. Yeah, like, I didn't expect him to say, yes, I want to be a priest of Dionysus because he's you know, turning down the women, he's not getting super drunk. He's, you know, not super about the whole lifestyle necessarily, but he agrees. Um, And I think I just think of like, you know, a priest or whatever of a deity to be like super into that deity. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't seem super into any of the things that Dionysus is actually about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I guess kind of neither does Nathan as we see later, but like it's, and like, this is just the way that they find power or whatever. But like, yeah, I just like, he didn't seem like he would care. I don't know. It's like he cared more about the power, I guess. Sure. Um, than about like the, the details. Actual, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, if so, if another practitioner came up to him, like, would he have taken that deal as well? Mm-hmm. Or you think it was just because it was, like, Dionysus? I don't know. Yeah, no, I. that's a good point. I I mean, part of me wants to say, like, but he didn't become leader of the group, and they, like, you know, but I guess part of that was that they felt bad that that, that D almost died. <laughs> yeah. And so he's sort of a de facto, like, he, he watches out for them and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he he's not, like, conniving and like i'm gonna take this away from him he's just sort of like okay whatever yeah um but framing this in the sense of like he's kind of a leader in this group makes some sense i suppose yeah i think so um i'm gonna say oh yeah i i don't remember exactly where it was but this scene does feel pretty 90s there's some mention of like the clothes they're wearing and the some one of the boys has like bleached hair and i was just like that's so good like um it it said it in time, I thought, relatively well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. Um, That's kind of funny. Another note is um, I've been watching Tasting History with my fiance. He likes to watch videos while we um, eat. And so we've started to watch some of those. And we watched one on mead. And I really hmm. love mead. And um, it's, I think, meath is an old word for mead. Like, that's where it oh. comes from. And so that tracks because, you know, like, honey alcohol. <laughs> Interesting. And Jeremy. Yeah. Is that on Netflix or something? Or I haven't heard of that. Uh, it's on YouTube. So YouTube. it's um, a guy who finds, like, medieval recipes and makes the stuff. Um, oh, and talks cool. about, like, the history of whatever. Yeah. Is there any that just, like, looked just straight up nasty? Um, yeah. So he did. So the sequel to the mead one was he made um, a heart. Um, that was like a Viking dish for the king or whatever. Um, like actual there heart? was like a yeah like a like a pig's heart. Oh, um, and he didn't like it. Um, hmm. the the Ro- it was like Roman Gatorade, but I think it was like watered down vinegar or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. Oh, he made grog once, and grog's actually pretty decent. Um, what is which grog? is like watered down rum. Watered down um, rum. Oh, that's right. He's made that name does not help it out. I feel like it no. should be better than that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think I think he in that one literally made grog and hardtack, which was pretty funny because like sailors and you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. Check them out. They're interesting. Huh. I might want to do that. That sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> They've got French Revolution potatoes. Huh. I don't know what the fuck that is, but <laughs> I mean, they look they look pretty damn good. It was when. There was a time when growing potatoes was illegal in France. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that is not what we're talking about, but I'm definitely going to look that up. That looks awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. So he yeah. basically was like, either say yes, or if you say no, you're going to get blacked out drunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, again, I wonder how much of Pact makes sense to people who haven't read Pale, um, because you know, I saw this as um, Jeremy could still like keep his innocence. Like he's kind of become aware in this moment, but he could, that could be papered over like Jasmine with the beautiful man. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, there, that would be the way of making sure that Nathan wouldn't be karmically responsible for Jeremy. Um, And that was a fun way to think about it. Although considering the fact that Jeremy wasn't even that interested in getting drunk, like having to get that drunk, and kind of being forced to like oh that not fun yeah that doesn't sound great <laughs> oh man okay so um next it kind of fast forward in time a bit and jeremy uh is setting up his domain ritual and basically ends up betraying nathan yeah um this aligns more with jeremy the power hungry kind of person um He's sorry about it, but he still does it. Um, yeah. He so it seems like he's literally never practiced before. Um, that he's prayed, that maybe he's done sacrifices, but he's never like drawn a diagram <laughs> or whatever. Sure, yeah, which is nuts. Um, mm-hmm. to then be like, all right, here's a domain. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But the whole thing here is that gods are gamblers, um, especially like greek ones you know um they like the drama they like the the risk um and so taking on this risky exciting new person is something that might really appeal to a greek 
deity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sort of like Dionysus needs priests, right? If they help Dionysus gain power, um, having people worship gods is good. And so Dionysus wants to attract initiates and make it great or whatever. And so mm-hmm. Jeremy's like, okay, so they the god will try to impress you kind of at the beginning to like get you hooked in and it'll peter out over time because you're not necessarily adding new whatever. Um, Uh And so the thought is like, I'll have the very first thing I do be a domain claim because this is when he has the most incentive to help me and it'll be ballsy and tragic um, because it's a betrayal and Mm -hmm. he's going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) And he's right. And he's right. Um, And it's just like kind of a bummer. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this and we only see two groups in this um, and presumably like the sisters and the shepherd and like, you know, all the major Toronto players and some of the minor ones would have shown up. And mm-hmm. I find it interesting that we only see the two. Um, I'm pretty sure you have to ask the Lord of your area for permission to do a domain claim. Um, mm-hmm. So presumably he had conquest permission. Um, I wonder if that means that the Lord can't then contest it. It seems like that's what it should mean, but yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Nathan leaves and he's sad and we're all sort of sad and like, we don't really care about Nathan, but it's kind of like, well, that was sort of dicks. Yeah. And these are the lengths Jeremy will go to, to gain power. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see here that, um, Jeremy talks about how he doesn't really get drunk. Um, yeah. And we've talked about that again. And it's interesting, like this priest of Dionysus who doesn't get drunk. I'm thinking about how he's called the drunkard and like um, Johannes calls him that and all of those things. And like, it really might not be accurate at all. Um, or it's something that has changed. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's obviously like he drinks, um, but not necessarily to the point of getting drunk. And that's really interesting um and reminded me of a really funny sketch that i was curious if you've seen um Hmm. have you seen like the michelin web do you know sounds really familiar yeah i think i i've seen some but so yeah they're the like british comedians one of them's on um would you lie to me or whatever that show's called yeah would i lie to you would i lie to you (laughs) yeah david mitchell's hilarious yeah um and um so they had like a sketch show for a while and there's this one where the whole idea is that like when you're between one and two drinks, you're like incredible and amazing and you can do whatever. Um, and that like that space before you finish your second drink is like the gold zone or whatever. I don't know. I'll post it cause it's really funny. Um, okay. but yeah, um, I don't know if I need to send it. Yeah. Yeah. That could um, be funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so then Doug shows up. Um, Doug. Doug is so cool. Mm-hmm. And I love him. Is Was he sick? Did we know that? Did he have, like, some illness? Because um, huh? Jeremy kind of describes him as, like, being young, but, like, like gray hair and thin because he wasn't eating regularly. And is that just, like, he forgets to eat because he's so into his shit. And he happens to be prematurely gray. And he... Maybe he's stressed about shit or something, or is it like he's sick? Um, Because, you know, in this is like the 90s, 
I don't remember you know. saying anything specifically about him being sick or not, but because um, he's dead like twenty years from now, and it, yeah. he doesn't seem that old according yeah. to the way Jeremy describes him. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's like an astrologer thing or because there's the whole thing about like he protected Diana somehow, and maybe this is part of it. Um, yeah, but um, so Doug's like, let's play a board game. <laughs> which is so cute um and jeremy's like okay but for every piece like we win the other person takes a shot and Uh it's like uh so not go like not these games that have a shit ton of pieces and they play something that i've never heard of but it's interesting that like you know he said oh my you know my master taught me all the traditional games or whatever that there are lots of games like this that might be played in contests and whatever is kind of a fun notion and stressful the idea that you know a game of chess could whatever fuck you over um it's fun that it's not chess it's um not as stereotypical i guess i don't know um and doug has diana play um it seems like doug doesn't actually want to beat jeremy's claim um it's interesting that they don't just no contest it um but i guess this is a good learning experience for diana and jeremy seems to think that you know doug is kind of helping him along by being like oh i don't quite remember how to do this you know whatever um Mm -hmm. and yeah so diana has played this game a bunch and you know doug wants goodwill diana wants uh three instances where jeremy won't attack them or whatever and i was like are things that contentious between the toronto practitioners or is this just like a useful thing to have in your pocket Hmm. um because, I mean, I guess maybe three favors is too nebulous. Like, that could be anything. And so specifically, like, you know, three instances where if I say, don't attack me today, <laughs> you just won't, um, is something that's easier to agree to. Um, yeah. But it just, yeah, it felt, yeah, like we were at war or something or like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so they're starting and Diana's winning because astrologers or something. But she's not old enough to look far into the future is how jeremy frames it um and as jeremy starts to take shots um the power of dionysus is like channeling through him more um which you know is kind of like well why don't you drink a lot more all the time um although it's probably bad for a practitioner to actually be just like drunk all the time yeah um but yeah, so he's he's channeling this more and he's able to get the advantage um and start winning um and D- Doug's taking a whole bunch of shots, and um, <laughs> so Diana forfeits uh, because she's you know worried about the state of her master. Um, and it's it's just really sweet. She like you know helps him walk away, and everything's good. And it's just I don't know. I love Doug. I'm so sad. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad. <sighs> um, and then Isadora's here. <laughs> <laughs> um. And she says she's not particularly fond of Dionysus. And I did some research. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's still the whole thing where Paggy said that Isadora isn't much of a sphinx or isn't really a sphinx or something. Okay. And Paggy didn't get eaten immediately <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so I'm sus of Isadora and her whole thing. Um so I sort of went to look up, you know, is she just a lion or something? And Dionysus, one of his, like, sacred animals is a lion, but he has a bunch. And I don't know if that's anything special. Um, I also found something that there's a lot of different myths about the Sphinx and how 
she came to be and stuff. And one of them is that the Sphinx was a daughter of Cadmus, who was the first king of Thebes, and that huh. he refused to recognize Dionysus. Um, Dionysus is the youngest Olympian god. Um, he actually took the place of Hestia, um, who was just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to chill by my hearth and you can go ahead, Dionysus, and be an Olympian. Um, mm-hmm. And so apparently Cadmus refused to acknowledge Dionysus. And so his daughter and everyone in the family or whatever like goes mad because that's one of Dionysus's things. And she's also transformed into the Sphinx, which relates to that or something. Um, and so that could be why she doesn't like Dionysus. Um, but like Isadora isn't the Sphinx. She's the Sphinx's daughter, I think. Um, but like, uh, but also like Dionysus is about like revelry and madness. And maybe that's like close enough to disorder that Isadora doesn't like it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, uh, yeah, Isadora's the Sphinx's daughter. Um. <laughs> Just like, who's the dad, I guess? Like, who who else was involved? Is that why she's not really a Sphinx? Because she's not a full Sphinx? Because there was only one? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that These works. <laughs> um, he's ballsy and challenges her to combat. So she's thrown off balance, which I remember when I first read this, I was like, hmm, maybe you drank a little too much. Jeremy, I feel like that's not a good, like, I feel like, I mean, I guess it's better than riddles, but. <laughs> right. It's like he, I guess he was like, I need to pick something that she'll agree to, but also not riddles. Yeah. Um, it like kind of works out, but I was also like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, and then this reminded me of Lucy kind of, because like he, he says like this arena has rules, which is why he was able to like pray to Dionysus before she just like you know slit his throat or whatever Mm -hmm. um and it reminds me of how lucy's arenas and dueling have certain contentions and like things um it's also very like the practice would want him to be able to be all dramatic and stuff so that was fun yeah um and he gets some sweet gifts (laughs) yeah it's pretty pretty fucking sweet so yeah there's the like scepter thingy with the pine cone that like is sharp question mark i don't really we don't i don't really know if it has like any other magical stuff um it's just like, like a symbol the pine cone um something something dionysus is dionysus one of pan's dads or something um i don't know why i associate the pine cone with pan Let's oh okay see. so the 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 thrissus is a wand or staff of giant fennel covered with ivy vines and leaves and topped with a pine cone, artichoke, or a bunch of vine leaves and grapes. Okay. Um, and it's his symbol. So, like, Hermes has the caducus or whatever it's called, the double snake staff. So, I guess this is Dionysus's thing. Dionysus's thing. Okay. So, like, so Wildbow could have picked an artichoke, Ugh, but picked a pine cone. would have been cone. so much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, so pine cones, I guess, are kind of um, pokey, but artichokes, like, they, they hurt coke yeah <laughs> this bitch is hurt yeah um maybe not like hard enough for it it's to be a little a harder good... yeah i mean if but you throw a gold or whatever i feel like if you throw a pine cone and an artichoke like Im- imagining they're the same size which i know that'd be like a fucking huge 
pine cone or a tiny artichoke that the pine cone would almost definitely hurt more. Yeah, that's fair. And it'd be harder to eat a pine cone, you know? Yeah. So maybe it just was like, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to, here, I have another fun fact about the, the thrissus. Man, you're going to like thrissus. overtake my facts. This is great. <laughs> um, apparently BTS, um, acclaimed K-pop band, has a song called Dionysus and they mentioned the thrissus in it. <laughs> in the song, yeah, which that's is fantastic. <laughs> so they did their research. Um, yeah. Cool. Pace yeah, so he has this staff thing, and he has this magic horn. And Jeremy's... Not Jeremy's. Nathan sounds a lot better than Jeremy's. Yeah. Because <laughs> Nathan has the, I will always have alcohol and weed, or whatever, or like it'll last a long time. And Jeremy has the like crazy bloodlust horn. Hey, I mean, whatever he needs, I guess, right? Yeah, it's useful. <laughs> um, So it's blood laced with alcohol that's not wine, and... He drinks as much as he can, and he loses his mind and fights Isadora, and they're both kind of injured, but if he needs to drink more of that blood stuff, he's going to die, die, probably. <laughs> um, so then we get a fun twist that I didn't expect or even think about, mm-hmm. um, which is that Isadora's like, okay, I'll stop contesting your domain if I can set you up on a blind date with a blonde <laughs> woman. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Um, this feels important that Isadora set up the meeting. Um, Sandra's marriage to Jeremy was kind of painted as a Jeremy wants to be Lord of Toronto and he needs a strong Duchamp woman to help him with that. Um, uh-huh. Whereas here it's Isadora is going to kill you or you're going to meet this woman. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't seem to be like that's not how it was portrayed in yeah. Sandra's pov and so it's like what are you doing isadora like is this a favor to the duchamps how do you even know them i mean i guess they're a big family in the area or whatever um but like is isadora trying to use jeremy meath to fuck up conquest or is isadora trying to use jeremy meath to provoke conquest and bolster him in a conquesty way Hmm. with a lordship battle um because i think that you know that sort of claim would be a natural place where conquest would thrive and she likes order and he maintains order something something she doesn't like dionysus i don't see her being like yep jeremy meath i vote for him (laughs) (laughs) um so i guess that's what i'm thinking but it was just like what the fuck it's pretty wild Um, yeah and then we don't see any of the other contests that probably would have been cool um yeah, because they weren't relevant. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that the Diana one wasn't either necessarily. I mean, it set up a, the intro of it, but um, it was nice seeing Doug and Diana. Yeah, that's true. That was cool. All the other people we might not have, like, known. Also, were. a lot of people are named with the with D names. I don't think Doug and Diana are have anything to do with Dionysus necessarily, except they are astrologers and they do stuff with, like, stuff. Astrology. Um, but like the leader of his little group was called D and Dionysus starts with D and in the Percy Jackson books, he's called Mr. D um, for basically all of them. <laughs> um, and so I, I was like, is there a reason <laughs> that he's D and the gods Dionysus? I don't know. Well, next, <laughs> uh, we kind of skip forward in time again. Um, 
and we look at his married life with Sandra. Mm, this like was good and and hurt a bit. It's like I'm not like completely and totally invested and heartbroken by this relationship, but it is it's tugging. It's you know, it's it's there. It I'm sad. Um Hilda is perfect. Um there's five nymphs combing her fur. And the first time I read it, um, I thought they were like putting bows and shit in her fur too and got real happy. But I don't think that's happening. <laughs> um, but like braids and bows and it'd be really cute flowers. Um and it's interesting how Sandra and her familiar are paralleled here. Um, I think that a troll is just a really interesting familiar for a Duchamp, although I guess the other main Duchamp that we've met has a centipede corruption demon or whatever the fuck Shart's Moogle is. <laughs> Not a demon, but you know, as a familiar. Um, and both of them kind of don't fit the mold of their families and yet very much serve their families. Um, but yeah, so they, you know, Jeremy can't read Hilder. Is she happy? Is she tolerating this? Um, is she annoyed? Is Sandra happy? Is Sandra barely tolerating this? Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of interesting. Their their link and their comparison. Yeah. Um, and this was just like so he you you get you bleh. you start to understand why he was such an asshole when they met because he didn't want to marry her. Um, he planned on saying no, but after he met her, he didn't want to say no. Yeah. But Dionysus doesn't want him to... I don't know if it's Sandra or if it's anyone. I think maybe Dionysus wouldn't want him to get married, period. Um, yeah, I can see that. And so he's like, okay, well, I got to get her to say no. Um, but then she doesn't because the Duchamps... Like, I mean, they, they did say like that she had a choice. Um, but I don't I know mean, with a family like, like that. You never know what they're going to do. <laughs> it's like, do you really have a choice, though? Like, yeah. uh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but this understanding that it's not, you know, Jeremy Meath made a calculated decision to get a wife that would help him gain more power. It was Jeremy Meath made a deal with someone to not kill him so that he'd meet this woman um, and consider marriage or whatever, like, helps make more sense as to why Dionysus is a huge fucking prick. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, the. <clears throat> Sorry. That no, you're good. He talks about how the Dionysus had suggested that the Duchamps only have girls um, in a dream. And he's like, was there something his god hadn't revealed? Um, and I think this supports, um, I mean, we don't know when he learned this, but I think this kind of supports my idea that Jeremy didn't know going into the marriage that he would, the Dionysus would make Be the child a boy. This. Yeah. Um, which, you know, makes jeremy less of an asshole and makes the relationship more tragic um yeah the greeks like tragedies and in a way them just separating was well like they're both sad and lonely and i think they both love each other um they by not being in each other's spheres um avoid some of dionysus's meddlings and shit um she removes herself from the realm of the greek tragic sphere potentially um i don't know i hope so hopefully yeah yeah um but yeah she's sitting on the windowsill and she's reading and he thinks about how she makes him feel like he was before he knew what the practice was and that he like really sees her as a as a he calls her a girl but he you know he like 
really thinks about her as a full human kind of as like a, a girl, not just like a beautiful woman to have sex with or not, you know, like it's, it's a, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's like, so it seems like they're so good for each other in a really weird way. Um, or at least she's really good for him. Um, yeah. But Dionysus is like, fuck this bachelor's forever. Um, and he sucks. Straight up sucks. Yeah. Fucking um, hell, Dionysus. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's cute because Sandra notices that Jeremy's standing in the doorway and she rolls her eyes because he's just sort of standing there. and But like in a fun, you know, cutesy sort of way. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he's a dork and he's like, do you want wine and cheese? Um, <laughs> and you wonder like how early in their relationship this is. Like he doesn't know what wine she drinks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's kind of cute and awkward and great. And Hilder gets mad because... He's ignoring her and he's like, and I will bring back a pork shoulder. And it's so cute. And I uh, hate it. I know. It's like, this could have been really nice. And I'll got fucked. <laughs> but then long fucking time later, at least 15 years, um, Jeremy goes to Jacob's Bell and he ends up negotiating a place to stay with Johannes. Yeah. So this is kind of funny. So Jeremy Meath became an initiate of Dionysus when he was like 13 or so. and never learned how to drive (laughs) and i don't know why but that's so funny Um, (laughs) but also like did he just like run away from his family and shit like that's intense and sad um but yeah so then there's this satyr who's driving who claims to like be able to who like is very bad at it and that's fun um but uh, things that make me love jeremy like he gets out at the end and he says like you're getting better you know and he like he can't lie um, and it didn't sound like, you know, a barbed comment or whatever. And like, obviously, the satyr really is very bad at driving, but maybe has improved. And it's sweet that he said that to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they're going and he's talking about how he hates traffic and how his city magic privileges is how I interpreted that are currently suspended because conquest is currently suspended and we don't know what's happening. Um, but they get to Jacob's Bell, which was exciting. And... I had to read this like three times because I was very confused because it was like you turn right to go to the old place and you turn left to go to the new place where Johannes's domain is. Sure. Um, and he turns left and I was like, what? Like it's just like four times. I was like, what? What are you doing? Why? What? <laughs> and he just kind of gets out and he's like, hey, Johannes, like I need a place to stay. <laughs> um, yeah. Which just feels bananas um because and it's funny it's sort of framed as in like oh because you don't want to stay with your wife because that's awkward um which is part of it and that's fun Mm -hmm. i don't know if jacob's bell has like a hotel (laughs) or something but it probably has something um but yeah it's just funny and weird and yeah because like they've they haven't met before and um Johannes is all like, you know, charming and slimy, and Jeremy's just like, hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he's also, you know, trying to help Sandra out. So he's like, well, if I'm here, I can, you know, keep more of an eye on things. And um, so he agrees, you know, like, okay, I'll stay. Like, you can stay in my domain. But you can't hunt in my domain. You can't interact with any of the other others in my domain. And you can't act against me while you're in here. Um, and he's like, okay. Yeah. And Johannes finds that sus because he frowns. 
Um, he's like, you know, did you get one over on me? Um, but then he leaves um, and gives him a place to stay. Um, yeah. So then we learn a little bit about what's in Johannes's domain, which what the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's four genies, at least. There are some vestiges. There's a quote unquote, very big ghost. Um, there's something sweat and metal, almost human, but not quite. And it's violent. I didn't know if those were two different things or one thing, but like, holy shit. There's a, there's a fox. (laughs) So Lucy's here. Um, there's burning (laughs) wires that are an elemental and it's a baby elemental. And then there's, you know, the scariest sounding thing, haha, a wraith vestige with rotted branches, birds, and the abyss. So, hi, Blake. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> You're horrifying. <laughs> um, and that's fun. Um, yeah, it's kind of fun, wasn't it? And I don't know why Jeremy's response to this is excellent, because I don't think he remembers that Blake exists. But Yeah. Uh, and then a butcher, fat and bile and blood. And it likes innocence. And I'm like, well, that's bad sounding. Um, what the fuck is that? I don't know. Because at first I, like, my brain said barber. And I was like, can, like, one, barbatorum's not in here, question mark. Two, wouldn't they say demon? But I don't think this is, maybe it is. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Your mind plays tricks I'm trying you. to remember if barbatorum is also like a butcher. Because he cuts things does cut has things. rose let him out by now like presumably things would be real bad <laughs> rose <him> out. Uh. <sighs> we don't know um i don't know yeah so genies are interesting they're um just to go back to them for a second they're like sphinxes except they're natural they aren't created um but they really like balance they work on a macro scale they alter reality but they're really attuned to like cosmic balance okay um he has four of them. He has four of them. Just kind of nuts. Yep. It um, sure is. Was Barbatorum described as a djinn? I should start rereading this book. Um, Jins are kind of like, um, they're not really demons in the sense that we think of them because they're not like evil, um, but they're like a. I mean, do you remember him Middle being described Eastern-y, as that? Whatever. I, I don't, don't remember. recall that. But their genies are like related to djinns and Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't think that Barbatorum was described as such, but okay, from my recollection, Ugh. at least. Um, yeah, and so then we see his, I think, six gifts from Dionysus. Um, that he's accumulated over the years. So the the Thresis or the Thrysis or whatever it's called, the blood madness horn. Um, there's a carving of a bull in amber. And a carving of a lion in gold. Uh, there's a sickle for cutting grapes. And a horn of some animal that could be used as a club. And I don't have a lot to say about these. <laughs> um, I'm like, carvings in the practice can probably be used to hold things, spirits. Um, maybe to... I just like... Then I go to the Wheel of Time and I'm like channeling. But it's like, no. Um, hmm... I don't know. They remind me of Maggie's origami things with goblins in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then a sickle for cutting grapes, like as uh, is a knife, and it. it's probably a sharp knife. <laughs> probably something used for cutting things. Yeah, and um, I'm wondering if this is like a minotaur horn for the club, like some sort of Greek monster. 
um, thing. Yeah. Maybe. He's ready for war, which, fun. Drunken war. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, and he only wants to stay a week because he wants to be Lord of Toronto. So he has to go back, which is fun. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these power-hungry bastards. Um. So, next we see him meeting up back up with Sandra for the first time in a long time. Yay. Well... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, he refers to it as the Duchamp household so I'm wondering if this is Sandra's house or if this is the house from the engagement party because I feel like the house from the engagement party was a different house um, yeah but yeah so he's just standing there super awk um, and she comes outside and well before that he thinks about how the Duchamp women all have husbands and they're always together and you know he's not with his wife and that's sad yeah <laughs> um which it is it is um, sad yeah and you know she's like oh you're old and he's like you're still hot and <laughs> that's nice <laughs> thanks honey <laughs> good to see you too yeah it's actually it's actually really cute um and yeah so he's kind of like even if johannes has like genies and angels i'm surprised that you would need me because there's you know a whole bunch of practitioners here the duchamps have been called in they're ready to fight for their lady um and he's like oh you're not here for johannes and the babes <laughs> um he's like she's like you're here to deal with the promise that you broke without remembering that you broke it and i'm like fuck fuck <laughs> like framing this as a promise i mean it just yeah um now i'm like oh jeremy's gonna be forsworn <laughs> um because yeah blake came back to jacob's bell or he, yeah. you know, he left Toronto and Sandra was like, I need him to not. Um, and it's interesting that Sandra knows this. I mean, powerful practitioners, whatever. Maybe Isadora told her because the connection with the Duchamps or something. Um, but so she knows Blake's back uh, and this is still a problem. I'm wondering why this is a problem. Like, sure, Blake is, like, helpful. But, like, is there still some intrinsic secret about Blake that is powerful um unclear um but yeah so if he helps her out now by destroying blake i guess then the promise was not really broken even though it totally was and i don't really get it (laughs) uh but maybe blake doesn't have enough connections with the universe for the universe to notice yeah maybe um but yeah so jeremy's job is to go after the thorburns because they're distracted and He's uniquely equipped to handle it. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure that the explanation for this has been somehow riddled throughout this chapter um, or hints or whatever. Um, The thing I'm kind of focusing on is the madness part of Dionysus's shtick. Um, Possibly Blake is important and Jeremy can get the others to believe that they're crazy and that Blake doesn't exist. Um, or maybe, you know, Dionysus and his whole madness thing. Madness is the fourth choir. Um, maybe there's some sort of connection there that would help. Um, Jeremy's like the priest of fun parties and Rose is super not. And so maybe he'll be like, come hang with me, fellow kids. And they'll be like, yeah. Fellow kids. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. So I'm not really sure. Okay. But 
I feel like maybe the make them think they're crazy. All right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, not really, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, we're at the end of the arc. Dun, dun, dun. So now we get to talk about what um, does Noel mean? It's obviously the protagonist's name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mom. Mom's no, um, yeah, so I, I didn't pull a ton out of this. I think the big thing is Null is zero and Blake is a zero. Um, I guess like the fool card, the number is zero, and you know, that's Blake, but also Blake isn't material. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing I sort of thought of was the invalid contract sense. Um, so Sandra and Jeremy are trying to like make their promise or whatever invalid. Um, okay. And those were the things I could think of. Okay. Did sure. you think of anything? I don't know. Um, null backwards is Lun, <laughs> which doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I just thought I'd mention that. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, now I feel like you covered it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, where do you think this is going? Um, so it feels like Jeremy Thorburn showdown. Um, and this just, you know, feels like deja vu because we were going to Jeremy Thorburn showdown again at the end of arc three and then we didn't. (laughs) And then we didn't like, you know, he was there and then the, his people were threatening a little bit, but there wasn't anything. (laughs) Sure. Um, like he wasn't one of the champions and just nothing. So, um, I mean, that's, but it's fun. Um, I think it might actually kind of happen this time. Um, I was also one thinking about whether, I don't know if I should save this for my bold and specific prediction because I don't currently have one. Save um, it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I do want to talk about as well, like, um, I guess we should have asked this beforehand, but I do want to ask like, okay, so how does this compare to pale for our pale comparison section? Um, yeah, I guess like Jeremy coming to town could be like um if we were uh looking at the viewpoint of Musser or Anthem. So that could, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. Or even maybe like I mean he's not really like the aware, but like Kenneth has had a series of people showing up and that being like, "Oh fuck," like um and disrupting things. And yeah. True. Mostly this just felt like the end of arc 3 of Pact because Sandra and Jeremy but um, in Pale, it feels more like a, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, true. Um, okay. Uh, I do want to talk as, as well, like, Null as a whole. I feel like this was kind oh, of a... Blake fell through a hole. <laughs> we learned that this arc. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> They're a hole yeah. in Jeremy's heart. I was trying to say, like, as a whole. Like, what do you think of it as a whole? Uh, <laughs> I mean, sure. If you want to just, like, relate it to holes, we can do that. But, um, no, like, as an overall thing, um, how did you like this whole, like, arc? Um, what's your thoughts? This arc was nuts. Right? Um, yeah, I was expecting the interlude to be more nuts because, you know... Like, bam, Blake's alive. Bam, Blake can't get out because the lawyer won't help him. Um, Mm -hmm. Bam, we see Blake's horrible, tragic backstory. Bam, it wasn't real. (laughs) Um, Bam, Blake 
Gapeson learns how to fight or and in the meantime we're seeing like Rose like just make bad choices. <laughs> um yeah. And his friends are falling apart and um yeah. It was yeah. a really good arc and um a lot of like what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Arc 9 was intense. Right? Yeah, null and void. They were both null intense. Null and void. Um which is kind of funny cuz like that just doesn't sound just by that. It sounds like, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. What an arc. What an arc. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I think now we can talk about your bold and specific prediction, Malia. Woo! I'm pumped. Um, this isn't that exciting. And it's another one of those where I don't know whether my prediction is going to say that this thing will happen or it won't happen. <laughs> um all right but i was thinking about jeremy's domain claim this is the first domain claim that we see um and like the question is will it be the only one um part of me wants to say yes because we can just check it off like yep we saw it done but also i think that maybe we see this domain claim to help give us context for roses or whoever's domain claim that is coming okay um I mean, like, we might not have time to do a domain claim, but I don't see Rose, like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't see her giving up until she's tried that, um, unless she just, you know, gets killed or whatever. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. that this is not <laughs> the only domain claim we'll see in the story, which isn't that exciting of a prediction, but it's where okay. I'm at. <laughs> um, do you think that we'll see Rose do a domain claim? Ugh. Um. Rose has, like, purportedly awoken by now, but we haven't actually seen it. <laughs> so that's interesting. Do you um, think she's awoken right now? Or? I think she is. <laughs> um, like, please tell me that your prediction is going to be like, I predict that she's not going to awaken Rose at all. Rose will never awaken, no. Um, yeah, because the question is, like, c- can Blake still practice? And I'm not sure, um, because he's an other now, like, a lot. But he did swear the things, and so maybe, maybe I think we're gonna see someone in the Thorburn contingent do a domain claim. Um, Interesting. Okay. Um, who would you guess besides Rose and Blake? Who is your next guess to get do a domain? <sighs> mm, Alexis. I don't know where she'd do it exactly, hmm. but. Okay. I was thinking like a Thorburn, but okay, yeah, Alexis. <laughs> oh, Paige. <laughs> Paige is the only other potential Thorburn that we know of, or Molly, right? Yeah, Molly's not real. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking of the Paige Blake and the Cabal. Um, Got it. Okay, that makes sense. But not Paige Rose Blake and the Cabal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paige has got to come back. She'll probably be awoken by the time she comes back. Um, Molly's not real. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. <sighs> I like it. Um, all right. Um, we've got our previous discussion question, I guess, questions to go over. Um, I didn't edit these down, <laughs> so we're going to have to, like, paraphrase them. So in real time. A, just, yeah, <laughs> in real time. So it's going to be. I mean, y'all are used to this kind of shenanigans from us anyway. But uh, 
So our previous discussion question was, um, how would time travel work in the other verse? And is it possible? Captain Rhino. Okay. They start out by saying, um, everything in the other verse is controlled by spirits, including time. Um, they say, you know, spirits of time are going to be inflexible and unyielding. Um, but they can be bent to the will of a powerful practitioner. Um, but to time travel into the past, you need to get pretty tricky. Um, they're saying use a glamour arena to create the perfect facade of the past. Use echoes, memories, ancestral spirits to create perfect actors to perform on your stage. Um, host them, uh, the spirits of the past to convince even your capital S self. If you do a good enough job, you can dismiss the arena and find yourself in the past. Or have you? Maybe you only <laughs> fooled yourself and you'll be trapped forever. Thanks, Captain Rhino. Yeah, it's cool to think that you can trick the spirits into like physically bringing you into the past because, yeah, that's yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Sengachi doesn't necessarily provide an answer, but says that we should ask whoever is responsible for Ted Haven, which I guess is Wild Bo, but also, like, good point. What the fuck, Ted Haven? What the fuck? That's a good point. Good point. Um, and I'm realizing how I did these. I've stuck myself with all the really long answers. <laughs> Normally, I just had that sentence. Uh, Lurking Beluga um, says... Time travel has a bunch of issues which are so fundamental. They feel like it wouldn't work or it costs so much power it wouldn't really be worth it or you'd run out of energy. Um, but they say one solution would be a physics-y bullshit way. Um, also say like maybe something kind of like Ted Haven's where you could be uh, closer to fuzzing things over with memory and reality and setting it. Um Oh, they have a TLDR. I'm going to re- just read that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, so or TLDR says, you can get some particle going back in time spirits, and it'll be a lot easier than normal time spirits. Yeah. Quantum All right. Particle. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Um, Hobo Demon says, there's obviously only one way time travel in the Pactverse would work. Lucy-style multi- glaminaling um or alternatively creating a fetch style vestige um so you get split versions of yourself as a practitioner and then you pee on each other and (laughs) that repels everyone (laughs) in opposed temporal directions and so your personality will split and um the past version will catch up to the future person who experienced nothing because they were just in the future and um it yeah this explains why people covered in pee seem strange i feel like that i mean i feel like there's a lot of reasons for that um you know what i mean i appreciate you for kind of trying to answer both discussion questions i do so thank you hobo demon i mean i i did not expect you to bring urine into this but you know what when there's a well there's a way yeah and yeah, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> and we'll go over that bonus discussion question in just a little bit. Um, <laughs> Thomas Berubig says, time travel. Everything is possible with enough power, but the odds of one having enough power to convince the spirits to mess with something are so fundamental are pretty dang low. So they are thinking it'd be a combination of glamour and augury um, mm. that would do it. Yeah. Um, 
Blake Tall says, you know, acknowledges that there are a whole bunch of different frameworks for how time travel could work um, in lots of different fictions. And they think that any conceivable framework of time travel would be possible in the other verse, as long as you can convince the spirits that it should be possible. Um, which, yeah, they're the whole thing. All right. Holy um, shit, one. What was that? <laughs> Measy one's answer. Measy one, like, just <laughs> fucking just went off the fucking handle on both these discussion <laughs> questions. They just like were like, holy shit, I'm gonna just I haven't talked enough. I'm gonna talk. I'm just gonna <laughs> type out everything that I think and feel and holy shit. It's a lot. I mean, it's great. Um, it is great. So I'm gonna skim over this. They're basically saying there's a bunch of different types of time travel in fiction. And they go over the different types of time travel that I'm not gonna read because I'm sorry, man. It's long. Um, you guys should look at it, but I'm not going to read it right now because, yeah. <laughs> so um, they're saying, like, just looking at all the methodologies, there's some definite trends. I think the price is always going to be determined by the impact of your changes. So, like, how much of a mess you're making for the mm-hmm. spirits to clean up. Um, so they're saying that they expect the need to fight or pay off fate is something that would come up a lot. Um Okay, so to break this all the other way, here's how they would approach the idea of traveling through time in the other verse. Number one, find a demon, probably from an early choir, who allows me to sidestep the relationship of cause and effect and utilize their abilities to pull shit at the cost of an enormous karmic debt and generally fuck my own shit right up. <laughs> Number two, be one of those weirdos on the paths and find a wish. Uh... I'm just going to say your, your number one is the find a demon. <laughs> that's your number. That's your top choice. Okay. Anyway. Act themed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I just find it weird. That's the first choice, but all right. You know what? No judging. Uh, number three, be extremely rich and channel that power towards spirits of time and fate to convince them to let me go back and make some changes. And number four, last but not least, be less rich, but still pretty rich and set up a deal with the powers of fate to basically cut a deal to allow me to travel back to a previous point. Realistically, I think it'd be either need to be either a time before or at the time of the deal. What I mean is you're essentially setting up a save state for the universe and setting mm. up a time loop or similar for yourself. I imagine doing this before making a bit big decision so you can go back and undo it. Hmm. All right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, our bonus discussion question, as I have has been alluded to and partially uh, just uh, not answered, but just, you know, brought up a little bit by Hobo Demon. Um, would you rather be splashed with cold or warm urine and why? So Bisexual Punch Party <laughs> says warm urine is an accident and you got splashed by chance. Cold urine, who chilled it? Who put piss in the fridge and then took it out to splash you? It's so much worse. No, I disagree. <laughs> if you're getting splashed, look. If you're getting splashed, I-, I don't understand why you think you just got splashed by chance just because it's warm. It sounds like you think the quantities are different. A cup well, of warm piss and a cup of cold <laughs> piss is the same amount of piss, and you're getting splashed on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean that is a good point. I w- when I said cold urine, I was thinking like either room temperature to cold because it's just something that's not warm. But like, yeah, I guess like. You're like, oh, I'm gonna put this in the fridge or put this in the freezer for a bit. <laughs> that is funny. But do they put urine in the fridge in hospitals? 
I mean, like tests and stuff. Usually, if we take a urine specimen, we send it to the lab immediately. Um, Mm. But if we were to, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure in our dad's office, they had like a cold storage area. Like, I think they had like a fridge for urine specimens they would Mm -hmm. need to send off. Um, Because, I mean, if it's cold like that, then it's going to like theoretically decrease that bacterial growth um, if there's anything Mm. up with the specimen. Um, Cool. Yeah, so I'd say probably, although being in the hospital, we hope at least when we send it down, they start uh, an- analyzing that pretty quick. Mm. But All right, Misi one. <laughs> you guys really should just take a look at this, like, honestly. Um, but the best thing was that they answered this before they answered the other one because they read the post really fast. And they yeah. thought this was just the discussion question. It's so good. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, I haven't actually listened to the episode yet. And I only just realized this is the bonus discussion question. <laughs> um, so let me just tell you guys, like, there, uh, I mean, there's citations mm-hmm. and studies. Mm-hmm. He, like, they also put not just one, not two, but three different graphs. <laughs> detailing the ideal urine temperature one Mm -hmm. in celsius one in fahrenheit and one in kelvin which is (laughs) hilarious so um oh man i'm trying i'm gonna try to skim through this i can't skip this because it's just too good okay so basically you're like gut instinct answer is colder is better high temperatures mean less viscosity and more evaporation of both the water and other chemicals in the urine increasing the amount it spreads and potentially gets inhaled as i clean it off inhaling urine is worse than getting it on my skin i mean yes That is definitely, I can, I think everyone can probably agree that. Um, But we can do better than that. See, I'm not going to enjoy being splashed with urine regardless of temperature, but depending on the air temperature, I might at least find it partially refreshing in the same way being splashed with water would be. That's a fucking stretch. (laughs) That's a stretch. (laughs) Let's be honest. Refreshing is not going to like be a part of this equation. (laughs) No, refreshing is not going to be part of this unless you like. Maybe if you lost your sense of smell, um, which maybe you have, maybe that's fine. But yeah, it's it's still going to feel like a little gross. But anyway, I can understand. Like he's like, it might be better. Depend, it could be better or worse depending on the temperature. So uh, studies have shown, and he's he linked this, which is great, that urine availability won't be affected by the air temperature. So you don't have to f- factor that in as a variable. You can simply re- rely on exploring the relationship between air temperature and ideal liquid temperature. <laughs> and we'll also assume consistent splash methodologies as studies have demonstrated that different washing methods and even different spray distributions from different shower heads can affect the experiential evaluation of classical water-based showers and baths. Um This isn't completely realistic, given how the temperature would affect viscosity and delivery of urine, but we need to accept our limits here. And I'm focusing purely on enjoyment here. Uh, I don't really, he's like, the supposed health benefits of cold showers aren't really something. And again, he linked something for that too. Uh, (laughs) I'd be thinking about when this happens, so I don't consider it a relative factor. Um, So basically, looking at their opinion, uh, (laughs) uh, basically, like, detailed the ideal temperature as related to room temperature for liquid and that's what they made the graphs on uh based on the graphs and assumption that warm urine constitutes anything above a standard room temp temp of 25 degrees celsius um or 
75 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm assuming it's around. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to contradict my instinctive answer and go with the data suggesting I prefer showering in warm water in the vast majority of commonly encountered temperatures. Maybe if I live somewhere warmer, I prefer the cold stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's a journey. It also is saying, like, I feel like saying you're splashed is different than saying, like, you're going to be showered head to toe (laughs) with urine. You know, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, which I mean, no, I mean, it'd be disgusting no matter what. But sure, if you're going to get like just covered in urine from head to toe. Sure. I'm sure that the temperature would matter a little bit. But like, yeah, because yeah, if you get like just like cold liquid doused over you, that's like gallons of urine. Uh huh. Who the fuck is going to be pouring? I mean, like, I mean, that's that's a dedicated like urine splasher right there. If they take the time to set that up, you know, that's yep. kind of impressive. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, just, thanks for your detailed answers. Thank Maybe you. One, they're very fun. I don't know whether to thank you or to just be like, why? You know, but I mean, I am going to thank you because that was a great answer. It was what really great. Um, hopefully none of you get dumped over the head with urine. Um Yay. All right. Uh, do we have a non-urine related discussion question this week? Um, I think we can come up with one. <laughs> yeah. Let's try to leave the urine behind. Um, <laughs> you know what? I feel like this is a, yeah, it's a good time to say goodbye to the P and just hello to the new. Goodbye to, <laughs> to Arc 9 and goodbye to the urine. Goodbye to the urine. Um, <laughs> so I, let me see. I think it could be interesting to talk about drinking. Or about yeah, I mean, Dionysus you know I, drinking Greek I think, mythology. Yeah, I'd like to th- talk about the Greek Greek mythology, and I'd like to ask people besides Dionysus, Dionysus, Dionysus. I'm just <laughs> mispronouncing all over the place now. Um, besides him, um, what other like let's say Greek god, um, or if you have another like mythological god, I guess. But I, I think we should stick with Greek. What other like Greek? um god do you think would be interesting to look into for a practitioner um any kind of greek deity there you go i'm gonna word how malia is writing it because it actually makes more sense uh as a sentence besides dionysus what other greek deity would make a good patron for a practitioner and how would that shape your practice what kind of cool boons would you get (laughs) i think if you want to do non-greek we accept it but yeah we will accept it, but I want to hear about <laughs> Greek. I think it'd be cool. It's in the theme. It's a it's in the theme. Um, yeah, I just want to want to see the, what kind of stuff that you would get. Um, just like how all the kind of benefits and cool like gifts and things. I want to see mm-hmm. what, what you know. What would you get? All right. Any other thoughts, Malia? No, I'm excited for Arc Ten, and I'm nervous, and I feel like we're we're entering the yeah the final countdown bits. Maybe yeah. Not. But I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's it's like the big final conflict, like act three or whatever, you know, like, I feel like we're we're in we're entering it. And it's exciting. And I hope his friends like him or something. I guess so we'll worried. just have to see. <laughs> cool. I guess just to ask again before we stop. Um, any more? Okay, so you think there's a demon under the house? Uh huh. Any theories or predictions about how that's going to flush out? Um, maybe the butcher is the demon under the house. Although I don't know why I'd be in Johannes's domain. 
Um, I mean, isn't like the butcher not under the house? But like, right? No, yeah. Okay, so the demon under the house is uh, <laughs> um, the there's holes. Um, I mean, like they need to like lose the house or something, and then the people of Jacob's Bell come to like destroy the house and make the road whatever, and then the demon's free. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the demon's going to get let loose because a bunch of people with, like, pitchforks and torches are going to come and try to, like, and they're just Or just, just gonna- like, like, a construction equipment, like, they're, the Thorburns have lost the house. Hmm, okay. Although, they'd still need to be around to fight the demon, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, and I'm guessing you think this is a pretty bad demon, or is yeah. it, like, a really lazy no, demon? It's a Because it's, it's been hanging out one. under the house. Yeah. Okay, so like the house is like a ward or something in itself, <laughs> like a yeah. The domains help keep it down. Mm. What kind of demon? Or like how bad? Worse than any demon we've seen? Like I feel like it should be worse than Barbatorum, but I also expected Barbatorum to be kind of like dealt with early because he was introduced so early, and it. Mm. Ke- I feel like Barbatorum keeps being sort of built up as like real bad. Um, but it it would need to be stronger than Barbatorum. Um. I, I think ask Ula you, is actually really powerful and was totally underestimated. So I don't for, know how to rank. That. Or what was what was underestimated? Sorry. Or oh, or, or okay. Um, I, I would like to ask you again because I know you've said before you didn't think Barbatorum was like that bad for the in terms of demons, right? Do you still agree, or do you think he's going to be worse than you think, or? nicer or not nicer but let you know more mild than you think or what yeah I well i think that i was assuming that he wasn't at like the top echelons of demons because he was introduced so early and i mm-hmm. was assuming we would like stay in jacob's bell and whatever um and not like it's arc nine and we still haven't really fucked with him um i think he's like <laughs> like m- he's not a mild or small time demon he's like moderate um like i don't think he's like the the very top of the scary demons sure but he's he's a he's a solid scary bad demon (laughs) okay very scary very bad very scary very bad what do you think uh where do you think it's gonna things are gonna go with him (sighs) um i don't know i feel like rose is gonna make some deal with him and it's gonna go really bad um like i don't know if we're heading toward like you know everyone dies horrifically but i don't know all right well on that note (laughs) thanks for listening (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please subscribe share it with your friends and leave a rating and review to support our podcast go to patreon.com slash doof media and if you'd like to support wildbo as he continues to write fantastic stories go to patreon.com slash wildbo you can follow the pod on twitter at pale comparison or send us an email at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our Reddit thread in r slash parahumans, where you can answer our discussion question and share your thoughts on this episode. In addition, if you would like to see all of my predictions laid out, check out our episode description for a link to a prediction tracker. Next episode, we will be covering chapters 10.1 and 10.2. All right. And then just as a reminder, um, pale complexions, Fan art contest. Um, Redemption. Redemption. Due July 22nd.
Yay. Do it. Do it. Pretty please. I think I'd love to see some. I love all your guys' art. Yeah. And everything's great. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see it. So get working on that. Get some good stuff. All right. This is a really random fun fact. So, um, and so sure, most of you have heard at least of like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's a big thing here in the US. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what not a lot of people know, and I didn't know about this until not that long ago, to be honest, and I've still never tried it. Um, there are sandwiches called fluffernutters, which are um, peanut butter and marshmallow fluff sandwiches that they eat in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And I've never tried it before. Sounds super, super unhealthy. Um, <laughs> my fact for today, believe it or not, fluffernutter sandwiches actually have less sugar than peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and jam sandwiches. What? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Okay, so I, I think obviously this is going to be a little bit different jam to jam, but like um, the article or whatever I looked at is like at least some jam um, has about 10 grams or up to um, 10 grams of sugar per tablespoon, um, which marshmallow fluff has six grams of sugar per two tablespoons. What? So right? Three grams of sugar as opposed to 10? And that's like and 10 grams for one tablespoon and six grams for two tablespoons. That's nuts. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> like, I mean, sure, you could still argue you've got more like vitamins and shit in, in your jam because <laughs> of the fruit. But like, but like, what? It's It has less sugar for a fluffernutter mm-hmm. sandwich. Like in general, I mean, even if you use like more fluffernutter like or more uh, marshmallow fluff like that's you know what three grams of sugar per tablespoon to 10 that's like over three times the amount yeah that's fucking crazy (laughs) wow it's wild that's wild um i've heard they're really really good which is not a surprise because it's marshmallow fluff and peanut butter how do you fuck that up um so i might have to try that sometime but yeah, just want to let you guys know, any of you Midwestern people, if there's any of you listening to this, you can feel uh, guilt-free when you're <laughs> eating your fluffernutter next time. It's practically healthy. I mean, sure. <laughs> 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 All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.